We started talking about the people who call minim, which means that they dance except the moon and Hashem. We actually started with the end first. We started with the side of um, the, the, the idea of someone who davens to Shukayach, to an entity besides for Hashem. However, the then even if it's knowing that Hashem exists, but the idea of worshiping something else is in order to make it into an intermediary between Hashem and the person that's also begadir amin. Not because he denies Hashem, but because he doesn't believe that he's able to relate to Hashem directly. Now, what we really have to, so we spoke, we got sidetracked to talk about davening to people and why we don't, what you can ask a person, what you can't ask a person. But really the aside here we have to explain is what's the difference between a mistake and something which is a which is a, a lack in imuna, which is so much, which is so severe that it's considered it's categorized as a person that's not in five times. In other words, one of the other examples we gave was the person who says that Hashem is a body. Hashem is Hashem has a physical body. So he's not denying Hashem. He's just picturing Hashem as an old man with a flowing white beard, or whatever it's going to be. It's wrong. It's wrong. The Torah says Hashem doesn't have a body. The Torah says that Kedar is called Smuda. You can't see any form or vision or which you can which you can describe to Hashem. So, so it's wrong. Why does it become a, a, such a serious thing that it's, it makes the person not into a Maimi? It makes the person into someone who denies Hashem. They accept Hashem. They haven't to Hashem. They just have made the mistake of, of, of imagining him in a physical sense. In other words, if a person says there isn't Hashem, I'm an atheist. Or a person who believes in Avodah Zarah, or a person who believes in multiple gods, multiple religions, then we can understand this is something which is uh, a spirit to Imuna. This is something which is against our belief that there is Hashem and there's one Hashem, which is a foundation of Yiddish. But somebody who thinks, no, there's one Hashem, but he has a body. Or a person thinks, of course there's one Hashem, but Lemaisi, if, if I ask the Malach to go talk to him, I say, I'm too scared to talk to him myself. So these are mistakes. But why do these mistakes translate into making someone not a mammy? Why, 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 why does Ram give it that level of severity? And if you look, it's the Atsem, what the Ravid asks. If you look at the Sogos Ravid, the first one, this is exactly his question. Is Amr on the stand of a person who would claim that there is a ribbon, there is a God, Ella, he has a body or has physical form. So on that, the Ravid says, Why is it why, why is this called a min? Why is it called an Epicurus? Now, what does he mean by that? It's a very strange line to say. The first part of his question, we understand. He says, why is it called a min? In other words, it's true. The Raiva didn't argue with the Rambam. He didn't say that Hashem is the body. Right? But he said, why are you calling that something which is so serious that you're going to call it to Napikaris? And the second part of his question is that people could make this mistake by reading the Torah. Because the Torah says right, that Hashem saw the actions of the Dara Mabu, by his atzev and liboy, his heart was sad. Hashem says, let us go down and see. We're going to see what is it. Hashem says, I'm going to hear the cry. Hashem says, So the Torah, time and again, ascribes physical properties to Hashem. 
which we have to explain. Again, we're not trying to say that that's true, that Hashem has a body. He doesn't. We have to explain it. But if, but if a person would misunderstand that and take the words of the Torah at face value, the Rabbi is asking, why does it mean maybe it's wrong, it's a mistake? He says, it's the, the people saw the, in the Psukim and the Debra Goda, which can mess up a person, make a person make mistakes. So it's a mistake. But why is it such a critical mistake that that renders a person an Afikaris? That's that's the Ravid Shah. Now, we're not trying to answer now how to, therefore, why the Psukim would do it. That's a different discussion. Now, it's why Taka the Psukim describe Hashem in physical terms, or the Midrashim. Hazal also did this, even more. When Amir uh, Abimeya, when a person's when a when a Ben Yisrael's mitzvah, Shchina Ma'ay Emeres, Kalani Miroshi, Kalani Mizrai, Kila My arm is heavy, my my head is heavy. So it's 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 also ascribing physical things to Hashem. It's one of many many hazals like that. But what we want to explain now is why the Rambam saw this as a principle of Ikrim, as something which is without that, without that, you a person's a kaifer, chasvishal, and the is very strict. If a person is a man, and the way the Ram explains it, he loses the Lord Because he thought Hashem had a long white beard. Or because he thought Hashem had the dimension of a person. It needs explanation. It's a mistake. Why are we giving it such a tremendous severity? So, we spoke about this once before. In different contexts, let's just repeat the aside again. And that is, the question is, that can a person relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as something not physical, as something beyond this world? Because things in this world, by definition, are limited. Whatever it's going to be. Anything physical has proportion, has uh, can be defined. And therefore, if you're going to look to this world as being something which we see, so to speak, we can picture, we can define Hashem, then we've brought everything down only to its physical level. Avdavadazara made this mistake. Even though in the cherish, at any level of Avdavadazara it was, they were talking about something spiritual. No one, at least in the time when spirituality was, was an option, when the Avdavadazara was rampant, no one ever thought, we would pick up a stone and say, ah, the stone has divine power. It was meant to represent something, it was meant to connect to something, it was meant to be something which a person could focus on and uh, would be as intermediary to something more spiritual than that. But, maybe that's what conceptually where our Vedasara started from. But what happens next is once you have the physical the item which is being served, then what's going to happen is people are not going to think about this, the connection to this more spiritual thing behind it or the spiritual source or force which is running it, they focus on this and only on this. And therefore, Ba'atsim, you've reduced everything to only physical. If even the concept of Hashem you're going to try and find in a physical thing, then there's no interaction with a non-physical entity at all. Everything has been brought, been brought down to physical level, and by extension, then everything is limited, because physical things have limitation. Not just... And then, if a person sees... What he worships as an item, as an, as a, as a as a statue, as a thing, which he can see, 
then, and that gives them a physical connection to, to something which you can worship, then everything in his life is physical. A person wants to see himself as having the shama. A person doesn't think about something which is beyond the confines of this world because he's found an expression for everything here. He's found everything which, which can be worked with in a spiritual, in a physical world, and something which you can see and relate to, and therefore there's nothing else. Now, Masha. Sorry? It's not, it's not that he doesn't forget. That's the Matthias. When you see something physical, you automatically focus on the physical side of it, and it's completely possible to think to focus on a non-physical side of it, because this is the as a physical person. That's the way you relate to things. It's only something which you can't see. Now you have to w- work on thinking about as a concept. Wherever you see something, you distract. I'm going to give you a, a marshal for this. Just uh, it's not the same thing because here we're just talking physical and physical, but just a marshal to explain what I'm trying to say, and that is that there were a lot of good ideas. Who were against? Who were against uh, you know, drawing storybooks with pictures of Matan Torah or pictures of Yisus Mitzrayim, whatever it's going to be? Why? Because Berega is a concept which a person can think about. So I don't know exactly what it looks like. Sorry. Visualize or think. As long as the concept I can think about. So I don't. I can't. I don't see a picture. I have a concept, and therefore the concept can be something. Which I, I, I something extremely great, something extremely amazing, but I, I don't know what it is. I never saw it. So I, I'm left that there was something extremely powerful, something extremely earth-shattering called Maimon I can try and imagine what it was, but I, I don't have it in my mind. Mashiach, I see the illustration. So now Maimon becomes the illustration. I saw. I saw it. I saw. I saw the picture. I saw the shining blue lucas on the top. I saw like the the, the, the silhouettes of millions of people around it, wherever it is. Okay, so now I've seen I've seen and then my my hasaga matantara gets limited to the vision which comes to mind when I see it. The vision which comes to mind when I see it. I once heard this from a very very well known Karib. He said that in his experience, he said, "Who is it? Is it? Am I talking about? Or Once I was talking to him, he told me, uh, he said in his experience, and when he talks about each other, he said if everyone to talk about the malach, call it a malach." Because the person talking doesn't know what a malach is. So what's a malach? So you'll say a malach is a spiritual entity. Okay, they can think of it. Spiritual entity. So if you're ever going to make a mistake and call it an angel, then uh, people from a second world, they know what angels look like. They're like little kids wearing uh, not much clothing. So I said an angel is a little kid with like a, little, like a, hot, like a fairy, right? Flitting around in the air. Ah, angel. And I've seen a picture of an angel. In a non-Jewish sense, obviously. But then it gets stuck in their mind. That's an angel. Well, Gabriel Amalek is like floating around with his little fairy one, right? It's, it's, but, but you can't get it out of a person's mind because once they're used to thinking that's what an angel means, I've seen an angel, I've seen angels. Right? Call it a Malach. I haven't seen a Malach. What's a Malach? A Malach is a spiritual force. What's a spiritual force? We give it a name. But, but that's something which a person can relate to as a concept. Berega becomes something that they've seen. You've lost the depth of the concept. And that's why, like I said, the Gedonim were against drawing pictures of because you've ruined the depth of the concept. You've now limited it to what you can put in the paper. You've limited it to what, you, what, you, what how you, the artist's illustration of Kriyasiyamsov, of Matantari, of whatever it's going to be, and you're doing it disservice because there was something which was so much greater, which it was, and you can't you can't accurately convey just on a piece of paper. Right? And uh, the best example for this is if a person has ever been in the wild, 
and he's suddenly seen a lion spring out of nowhere with the full roar and the full strength of it's something you know you, you feel afraid I've, I've, had it, I've had it experience it's a scary the, yeah in life in real life many times it's strong and the the, the voice the, the roar shakes you it's something now sometimes a picture of a lion you see a lion okay it's, it's not scary at all like this is a nice picture of a lion jumping whatever it is it doesn't affect you because I've reduced it to a picture they are the same reason they said you shouldn't draw the picture like if you're drawing a picture don't draw the face of the Ramavina that's what a Ram looked like you have no idea what a Ram looked like probably his face shone probably there was a certain Kiddush to a person who saw a Ramavina he was awe-inspired but if you're going to draw in your kid's book a picture a Ramavina with like a nice grey beard and uh, big glasses right? it's what they do in the Torah but it's a problem it's a problem because you're reducing things from a level which is much greater to a level which is much less and the problem is, once a person has in his mind a concept which he's understood, he's seen. So now to think more than that is very, very difficult. It's a fight. You have to redo it. Because once you have something which naturally your mind goes to, because that's what I think it means. Now I always say it's a matanda tova that they didn't develop uh, the, uh, how to use cameras a few hundred years before they did. Because that's what you think about Rashi. You know what Rashi looks like? Yeah. It's like unbelievable. You write nothing, whatever it was. There's a painting of Russia. Yeah, but it's not a painting. They don't have real paintings. So it's an imagination. No. So, Same thing with like, There's a legend of Exactly. When you, when you meet a person and you're inspired by them, then it's more than just seeing a picture of them. Yeah, but in a way, but seeing a picture is even less. It's even less because then you don't, the experience of the person isn't conveyed by the picture. And therefore, if you see a picture of somebody, it's, uh, oh, that's who he is, yeah, I've seen his picture. It's much less than seeing the person. It's hard. A person has to work beyond, to think beyond that. There's something more than that, something bigger than that. It's something, now, therefore, therefore, if we want to know that there's a spiritual world, that there's a world which isn't all physical, but there's a concept of a neshama, which is not something a person can see, and there's a concept of a ganadin, and a olam neshamas, and a olam abba, which isn't things we can see here. We don't think that Olam um, means some South Sea island or Ganadin is a tropical forest. We understand these are musagim which are beyond physical. Then we have to be able to maintain a connection to a non-physical reality. And it's only shaykh if we don't bring everything down to a physical ex- expression. Because once the person's done that, then he won't see past that. And therefore, it's not just a shayla of is it also to picture Hashem or also to picture Hashem. If a person would picture Hashem, then he's lost the world of roughness completely. Everything's physical, even Hashem. And never, there isn't an option of, of trying to relate to Hashem as something you can see, because that forces the person to work with something he can't see. So it forces the person to go to a level of understanding that there's something beyond physical, and then it's not just Hashem. There's a whole world beyond physical. The Shariah Shatara is beyond physical. And this, this is an example which I want to give, because a lot of people have difficulty with that. When we talk about the Torah, people think... The scroll. Whenever Chazal are talking about the, the Torah, they're not talking about the scroll. They're talking about the Ruchni Koyach Torah. The Torah which is the Malach. The Torah which speaks to Hashem. The Torah which created the world. The Torah which uh, adds Hashem The Torah is a Ruchni Sticker concept. And a what? In order to give it to people, so like the Gemara says clearly in Shabbos, Hashem wrote it for Moshe. Which means he converted a Ruchni Koyach into a physical thing. And that's why it was only done then. 
It says, "B'shosh on a Moshe le'amarim." You saw Hashem was slowly mekashel kshorim le'letzes. In other words, there was a process of the Torah being transformed into something which would be could be seen physically. That's not where it started. It's not where it started. But now, if you say some of the Torah, yeah, another Torah. Okay, and some Torah. That's a physical, so to speak, representation of the Torah. The Koyach Torah, when we talk about the Musag of Torah, we're talking about a spiritual thing. But how hard is it for us to think of it like that? Because we're used to calling a Torah, the scroll. So we made it, we think Torah means a scroll. Hashem was mistakal by Rais or by Alma, means he opened the scroll and he read Pashas Barashas with the Yad. That's not the Pshat. That's not the Pshat. The Torah wasn't physical at that stage. The Torah was a spiritual Koyach, and the, the Istakal Baraisa was through the means of the Torah, which is spiritual Koyach. And if you want to know what spiritual Koyach it is, we know that the Torah tells us exactly where, which level in Ruchnius was the creation in Ruchnius called the Torah, and that's what used. But for a person who's seen the physical Torah, it's very hard to go back and think Torah means this. When, I, when I'm used to calling Torah, what I can see. And therefore we understand by extension that if, if it would be possible to somehow picture Hashem in whatever way it would be, we have the same problem. You've reduced it to something physical. Dafka because we're not allowed to do that. Dafka because Kilar Isim called Dafka because we don't ascribe anything physical to Hashem, so we can still relate to Hashem as an unseen, all-powerful force, which we can relate to as the unseen, all-powerful force, because we can't relate to it in a physical way. And if there any would ever would ever be something you can call that's Hashem or that's a picture of Hashem or that's a something of Hashem, you've lost everything. Then you've the, the destroyed Ruchnis. You're always left as Gashmas. Everything just comes down to the physical level of it, and there's nothing more than that. So for where what we call Torah, then you understand why it's called the Bible of the world, because it's a level which, in the development of how Kodesh Baruch creates things, it was a level before the world. So now that becomes the, the level pre, pre, prior to creation. So we made it. That's, that's used to get to the next stage. But it's, it's not the Torah here. It's not the scroll. Yeah. In any concept, when once I'm used to seeing an object, then I focus on the object. I just talk about another person. Anyone sitting here in the room, which you can see. You know he has neshama. You know he has But once you know a person, you don't. You think of the, you say a person's name, you think of his body, you think of where he looks. Because you're used to quantifying a person in a physical sense. You don't think about, oh, yes, he's, a, he's whatever his Midas or he's a neshama or he has a ruh. You don't see a person like that. You see him physically, you write him physically. You recognize him physically. Why did Hashem do it that way? By what? To obscure Hashem. That's When it says that the world, Olam, which means hidden, Hashem hid the Ruchnis in a physical coat, in a physical veneer. The purpose is to get beyond that. Because the, 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 the first step in towards... Uh, connecting to Hashem, the first step towards the life of Ruchnius is being able to see beyond the physical. The physical presents a, like a smoke screen, that's all a person sees, and it's very hard to relate to or deal with the concept beneath that, behind that. And therefore, and this is the, the point we're trying to get to, the, 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 if that screen would be absolute, if you'd be seeing a complete, like, so to speak, veil, you would never see there was something behind it. You just see the veil. It's only because there's a hole in the veil. And I can see it through it that there's, it doesn't cover that. You know, I can see that this is only a veil, something behind it. If the veil would be complete, then you would never know something. You think that's there, all there is. When there's a hole in it, oh, I can see it through, I can see something beyond. The hole in the veil of this world is the fact that there's Hashem. And if there would be a physical thing of it, 
the, the hole in the veil in the smoke screen of this world, the way to see through it is because we know there's Hashem. Yes, exactly. Uh, that that we know there's Hashem. And if there would be a physical representation of that, then that's it. The veil is complete. Everything's physical, but you'll never see something beyond it. Never. Everything has a physical meaning. Hashem is a physical thing too. And there would never be a way to see that this is only a smoke screen. There'd be something beyond it. But because on the one hand, the concept, we know there's Hashem. And that doesn't fit into the physical veil of reality because we don't have a physical thing of Hashem. That's the whole. That's the way you can see this is all a veil and there's something through it. And now once a person has that, they can see that there's a reality which isn't physical. Well, there's Hashem. Then there's everything which isn't physical. There's the Menachem which aren't physical. There's the Shamus which aren't physical. And there's the Torah which isn't physical. And there's worlds which aren't physical. And there's rewards which isn't physical. It's part of us and the Shamas, exactly. And now I see that there's a whole non-physical world. This is all just a smoke screen. But there has to be, there has to be the opening. There has to be the the place where the smoke is not complete. The place where there's, so to speak, something missing in the illusion. Because if there wouldn't be something missing in the illusion, if the illusion would be 100% full, 100% complete, you'd never see there's something beyond. And therefore, like I said, the 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 point to get through this point is there's a shame. and there isn't a physical Hashem. So there must be that there's something which isn't physical in the world too. And that's what the Ramah calls the Ikka. Because the, the Ikka is that there's Hashem. The Ikka is that there's Hashem. That's, the, that's what we said. Our identity is that we remind me that there's, there's a Bairet. And that, that itself is the key to understand that there's a whole world which we can't see. And Rob's going to explain why. Okay, yes. He has to know Latin to understand what it is. <laughs> Uh, as an example, so yes, you have to go back and answer the rabbit's question. You know, so why does the Torah express Hashem in physical terms? That's true. Hashem will talk about that. But the Yisrael is that's that we understand the first part. Why, why is a person who sees Hashem as being physical called an apikaris? What's missing? Well, what? Now, there's another point here also, and that is one of the things the Mishnah says is that a person, like, in one of the categories that I'm going to talk about later, is that a person um, who doesn't get Eilam Abba, a kaifer in Eilam Abba. Sorry. A person who's a kaifer in Eilam Abba doesn't get Eilam Abba. This is the same you say. This is the same you say. If a person just sees the physical world, where's Eilam Abba? Where? The Far East? Africa? It's a physical world. There's no other world. That's what we see. We see the globe. We see Canada. Right? If, if that person's confined to just the physical of what we know about, or, or human habitation that we are aware of, there's no Olam Abba, it's just Olam Azeh. Olam Abba exists in the, t- in the understanding that there's something non-physical, and the emiss is, like we said many times, um, it hasn't even begun yet. That's the Olam Abba, it's the world which is going to come. So it's not like it's in a different place. It hasn't opened, it hasn't started. It follows this world. After this world comes to a close, then the Olam Habba will come. It's Does the world it which will come. No. Maybe it's the Olam and the Shamas which exist in parallel, that there is. Mm-hmm. But Olam Habba is going to happen. It's going to begin when this world ends. But it's a restructuring of this world. Therefore, for a person who can't deal with the reality he can't see, there's no way he's going to understand Olam Habba. He can't see it. And not only can't you see it, the Pasuk says you can't see it. 
No eye has ever seen what Hashem is going to do for those who wait for it. No eye can behold Olam Abba. That's what Chazal say. All the prophecies that the Nevi'im gave us about the glorious future that Tayyash was looking forward to, then it's not really Moshe Mashiach. We're talking about Moshe Mashiach. Moshe Mashiach will be here in this physical world, physical people, and physical reality which we are used to. That's the Nevi'im we're talking about. I will Olam Abba. I No eye has beheld Olam Abba. And the reason for that is, is it hasn't begun. So it's not a shadow of Navi or not Navi. It hasn't happened yet. It, doesn't, it hasn't existed. And therefore, like I said, for a person who's confined to physicality, there's no way he's going to understand Olam Abba. And as you see, the other religions, they don't. They don't. Olam Abba becomes an extension of Olam Azeh. It becomes paradise. With beautiful flowers and the shining sun and the, you know, the beach and the water lapping calmly on the sand, or it just becomes a mockum of, of unbounded avera, depending which religion you want to follow, right? But the idea of you know, get out of that mode. It's not this world. There's no there's no there's no option of that. A person who's confined to physicality can't see anything which isn't physical. That other right. right. the emuna is that the physical is very very limited. And there's much, much more than that. Both in the greatness of a person, and in the concept of Hashem, and in the concept of reward. We know we're not limited just to the physical, physical reality. And therefore, this becomes the Ikri Nemunu too. That's why Ramam calls us a person who doesn't believe in this, a person who doesn't, isn't aware of this. He's a kaifer. He's a kaifer. He's denying Kodesh Baruch as a spiritual entity. He's denying the concept of Olam Abba as a spiritual entity. He's even denying the concept of Nisham as a spiritual entity. Okay, so that's, what the, that's, that's uh, the echo point we're going to talk about. Now, what you, to answer the rabbit's question, why, why then does the Torah describe what Hashem does in physical terms? So there are a number of approaches to answer the question. Let's take the Rashba's approach first. The Rashba says, like we said before, the Torah itself went through this process. The Torah began as a spiritual kayak, and the Emma says it still is a spiritual kayak. But in order for us to be able to relate to the Torah, Hashem had to convert Torah from something spiritual into something physical. Which we can write and we can read and we can hold on to. And therefore the Rashba says that you so is God. The Rashba says part of the translation of Torah into a physical thing is the Torah can only talk about things that people can understand. If we have the physical Torah, then the Torah we have can only talk to physical things. The Torah can't talk about spiritual things because then there's no point in bringing the Torah down to a physical level. Then, then you're talking about a spiritual Torah, which we don't have, a, which we can't write, we can't hold, we can't, you know, keep making to a physical thing. The Torah, when it comes down to the physical world, only talks about physical things. That's why the Rashi says the Torah never talks about the reward of, of Ganeidi. All the rewards in the Torah, you'll have rain and you'll have plenty and you'll have success and you'll have children. And, and where, where's the Ruchnis? Where's Ganeid? Where's Adam Abba? The Torah doesn't talk about that. The Torah doesn't talk about that for this reason. Because the Torah is talking to the physical world. And therefore, the Torah is going to describe Hashem, what He's doing. It has to translate it into things that, actions which we can understand. And therefore, the Torah takes words which would apply to us to, trans- to describe actions Hashem is doing. But it's not describing Hashem. It's describing how He acts. And again, in a way we can understand. Hashem sees. Now that means, how Hashem sees, we don't know. But if you're going to talk about how people see, we have eyes for that. So the Torah uses the terminology which would apply to people in a physical world to explain an activity. But it doesn't then define Hashem. The Torah doesn't try to define Hashem. 
it's, it's trying to explain how Hashem works, what Hashem does, and for lack of an alternative, if you're trying to write a Torah in a physical sense, you have to use, so to speak, the verbs in a way which would be which would apply to a physical thing. In reality, this is just a, this is just how we can relate it to the concept, which is really something else. So that's one mind of the right. For Bezashem, next time we'll see tomorrow. We'll see another answer to this question. Also, we'll go back to Bezashem and explain. We still need to explain the fourth rule that Hashem is rich in Vachar. What does it mean? Sorry.